I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James, and you are... John Pigeon. Now, John, you ready for this tour next week, Thursday night, 27th? Yes. We're in Bris Vegas. We are indeed. You got your tickets yet? Not yet. Oh, yes, I have actually. Your air ticket? Yes. Yes. Are you flying from Newcastle or Sydney? Newcastle. How much return? The cost? Yeah. Oh, a couple hundred. (laughs) Why? What about you? No, I'm just curious. I'm going to fly from Sydney. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I'm going to... Yeah, well, I'm I like Sydney better. Yeah, because if you take off and the plane shats itself, <laughs> Qantas have got fifteen other ones sitting there. Yeah, true. Where I just kind of hedge that risk. Yeah, so um, I work on efficiency. I, my traffic through Sydney is a nightmare. Really, I get uh, I get to go an hour north, and mm. I'm my flight times quick, uh, quicker. Yeah, right. Interesting. Any well, case, there you go. Each to their own, as they say. It is absolutely now. We are in Brisbane, the first top of the tour. Uh, we want to really thank Open Trader uh, and Bricklet for getting behind our national tours. The first time we've done this, John. Mm. And if you are looking for an online share broker, you can certainly look at Open Trader. Um, really cool tech. You'll be surprised at how cool the platform is, and we'll share more about that. And if you do want to get into property investing and you might just want to put your toe in with maybe 20 grand or something like that, Bricklet, it's a first in, I don't know, first in Australia, really. And they've managed to split up the title on different properties. So we'll also share more about that. So thank you, everyone, for purchasing your tickets. There are still tickets left. Uh, and I'm looking forward to meeting everybody around Australia. So, John, we've got a question today. Uh, and it's a bit about the fire movement. So are you ready to have a, a chat about this case study around fire? Yeah, let's do it. So, John, what do you know about the FIRE movement in Australia? Oh, it's one of those fandangled terms that everyone starts to use now. <laughs> do you know what it stands for? Financial independence, retire early. There you go. There you, that, was, that was just a live check that I'm on the ball. Yeah, it? it was. It was. Because <laughs> sometimes, you know, John's about 20 years behind, you know, because uh, he's just come off the farm. But 20 years ago, it was the same thing. There's just an acronym for it now. Yeah, that's right. Hmm. Uh, and then people can get behind the acronym and it's a movement and it's somewhere to belong. Yes, <laughs> if you haven't got anywhere. Exactly. So, we've we've got a case study here and someone emailed it through. And if you want to send in your case studies, questions at mymillennial.money, please keep them bullet point high level so we can chew the fat. Mm. This one here, and we've had to make some assumptions. It's two people, both age 27. They're after-tax income is about 90 grand. So, 90 grand after tax. They can save a whopping 
$46,000 a year. So yeah, 51% awesome. of their income, which is just banging. Well done. They've got an emergency fund of forty grand, and Tim, who sent this in, uh, he's got twenty five grand in an ASX two hundred fund. Uh, he said all investments will pay dividends when the market picks back up again. I don't know, I don't know the details of the investments, but the markets are kind of picked back up. So I don't know if it's um, if it's metaphorical. These things are going to pay dividends one day, or <laughs> if he's listed okay. um, small caps. They're like, we're withholding the dividends because our company sucks at the yeah, moment. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, we'll take that as it is. There's an investment property valued at six hundred and fifty grand, uh, which has about a three hundred and forty-five thousand dollar debt on it, and their home where they live is worth about four fifty. And there's a 300 grand debt on it. So, before we get into some other kind of objectives uh, about Tim and his partner situation, you know, 27 year old with two properties worth, you know, combined a million dollars. And what's the total debt? Three, six, like there's 400 grand of equity there. Yeah. You know, we've got in early and we've done pretty good. Absolutely. Yeah. It's always. Um, good to know when they started and what markets they got into as well. Mm. Yeah. And all of that information we don't have. Mm. So some possible objectives. They are working towards fire, quote unquote. He wants to look at investing maybe four to five grand a month and they're wondering if uh, they should sell the current investment property and take out that meat. Mm. And if they did that, it just means realistically they would have bugger all mortgage on uh, the principal place of residence there's no children at the moment, but they are looking for children, uh, possibly in 22 or 23, so a couple of years' time. Hence the emergency fund being nice and thick and juicy. Mm. And looking for children as in wanting to conceive. Uh, <laughs> Got to look in the right place there, Tim. And they're due to be married as they're currently engaged and they're aiming towards September this year. And John, do you want to read what uh, Tim actually wrote to me there? Yeah, so Tim said, regarding the objectives, fire would be good, but we're both workers at heart and enjoy our current work balance, but the freedom to not work if we choose not to is great. Loot, do you know question what, mark. Do you know what loot is, John? <laughs> no. Don't you know what loot is? <laughs> no. You don't listen to any of my podcasts, do you? <laughs> I don't listen to any. So this whole thing around... Anyway, we'll get to loot, and then mm. do you want to just continue? Yeah. I would... I would like to be on a joint income of about 65k after tax income stream with the PPR paid off, that's our principal place of residence, before, so about 1.65 invested in dividend paying investments or properties. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm. So what loot was, John? This whole FIRE, financial independence, retire early thing, I kind of said it because there's parts of that community where they just work so hard to get to the point where they can retire, then we can do what we love. Mm. Where I'm saying, well, let's just tip that on its head and aim to live life on our own terms, yep. which means I'm just doing what I love. Correct. I'm still earning an income because we're working. Yep, which is awesome. And we've just got a bit more balance. Yeah. Because um, yep. I think, you know, there's an episode that's coming up soon on this podcast with uh, one of the kind of head people in the fire movement in Australia. And, you know, we kind of just both decided that fire is doing whatever you want, mm. <laughs> basically. Yeah, yeah. So, so what's loot again? Life on own terms. Right. Because that's my fire. Like, yeah. I, I'm technically living fire at the moment, but I'm still working and generating income. Yeah. 
and I'm the same. Like, I my view was to want to retire at age 40, and I got to 40, and I well, hang on, I haven't met that goal yet, but I actually don't want to, even if I had the means to, $10 mm. million in the bank or whatever, money's irrelevant. But, mm. yeah, if you're doing everything that you want to do now, there's the the word retirement's a bit of a fallacy. Mm. And that's kind of the the hiccup where fire needs to probably drop the RE yeah. and just have financial independence. That's yeah. the goal. That's right. But then again, you know, f- retire is the hook word where mm. everyone working in the modern day factory nine to five rat race, yeah. retire is magical, which basically means I don't have to, to do this. Yeah. So, yeah, which everyone works towards because the government sort of steered them in that direction. Yeah, and it's just it's a philosophical thing, isn't it? Mm, absolutely. So let's just do a bit of a, an autopsy um, on Tim's situation. Mm-hmm. They're very aggressive savers, which basically means their living expenses are quite lean and intentional. Yeah, uh, there's no consumer debt that we know of, and you know we're living off half our income which is just banging. It's awesome. So that's awesome. The emergency fund of 40 grand, it's probably a little high. You know, if you are, you know, if you are living off 45 grand a year, well, 6 months expenses would be 22 and a half grand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. That could but there there could be a comfort level there. They they could be self-employed, whatever reason, you can have your emergency fund whatever you like. Yeah. But I probably think it's maybe a little high. I would leave it at that because they're having kids the next couple of years. And thank you. And that's what I was kind of going to say. Maybe they're trying to work out a bit of a cash annuity that yeah. we can just draw off for income Yeah. Uh, when the children crawl in the door. One of them might have to have that child. Mm-hmm. I want to go to the investment property, John. It's worth about 650000 There's a debt of about 345000 Mm. Uh, it's currently rented to family. So, as a general housekeeping rule, if someone has an investment property, and we'll call it their portfolio, in their portfolio, how often are we reviewing our property portfolio and how do we review that property to see if it is actually worth keeping, putting on the market, renovating, yeah. like walk us through what you do when you own an investment property and need to do a pulse check on it. Yeah. So timeframes, I, I, I like to check in every 12 months just from a valuation point of view um, and, and talk to rental management about how that's tracking and where the rent should be at. In terms of valuation, are you kind of just looking at comparable properties yourself on real estate or domain yeah. or are you sending a bank out? Are you sending an agent out? What are you doing there? Yeah, so I might get an RP data valuation, um, call logic and just assess it and think, nah, look, I don't think it's moved in the last 12 months, I'll leave it. Or if I see that it's had some movement, then I'll go and order a couple of bank fails. Now you say that flippantly, mm. uh, but for the average punter who might not have access to core data and yep. RP data and all that, yeah, is it just licking their fingers and putting their um, hand in the sky, see which way the wind is blowing? Probably not. No, okay. you, you can go on. There's uh, like realestate.com and domain will have a lot of sold stickers on there 
previous properties with amounts that I've sold for. So that that's not a bad starting point. But I would just get the agents to to give you some sales appraisals even and, and just maybe the evidence that they've um, used to come to that conclusion. So that that would be the first thing. But, yeah, I like to do it every 12 months. Um, doesn't need to be done any, any quicker than that. I, I like to – I'm using a business term phrase here – I like to see what my employees are, are doing for me. So my employees in this case are the properties. Are they giving me cash flow or are they giving me growth, capital growth, or are they giving me a combination of both? If they're not doing any of those, I've got to then question what is it doing? Is it forecast to have some uh, growth that is and, and what uh, what's going to change in the next three to five years? Do I maybe... Um, sell that property and and put it into a better performing asset. You can always just Google the address of your property and I did that for this property here and this website came up and it had different property values and it gave me some indicative values just based on the data it's got. So it's got here, um, last sold for 540,000 on the 5th of the 9th, 2014. That's when I bought it. Yep. And... They're estimating the value now between eight and nine hundred thousand. Okay. So yeah. based on that, yeah. for my own review of this property, would I say oh, it's, I could probably sell it for eight hundred? Be conservative there, or do you think that's pretty accurate? That yeah, eight to nine hundred thousand. Well, there's a lot of variance uh, variables around that because um, they haven't come in the townhouse to see the standard of it. Mm. Like you might have treated it like rubbish, and internally it really needs a, a makeover. Mm. So what are they comparing it to to come to that figure is mm. the main thing. So that's where you might engage the agent. Do you know what we should do, sidebar from this thing? We should do a bit of a live case study, mm. Glenn getting his house valued, see what the, um, the random website here says. Yes. Get, I'll get someone in, mm. see what he says. He's a local real estate agent. And then I'll get even um, Scott McGonigal. To do evaluation. To do evaluation. And we yeah. just see what the range is. Yeah. And for the listeners, real estate agents will love to do that because they think they're potentially getting a, a sale out of it, mm. but we're, we're just really just capturing data. Should we do a live episode and get and Scott here? Yep. Maybe. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, shout out to the local real estate agents. We we can definitely get one of them on here. <laughs> um, Actually, Nath and um, just mute out his name, but we can keep all that in, but yeah. just mute out the name. Yeah. So, yeah. So, you're doing an autopsy on it every 12 months, I think, um, for cash flow or for growth. What's it doing for me um, and projections going forward. Now, it's always hard with projections to know what to do, but Tim has got raised a good point. Am I selling the investment property to put my money into shares? Um, I'd like to know, again, when he bought it, where it is, uh, what type of dwelling it is, and and then going forward, how that's going to perform. I think it's interesting as well, John, that a lot of the fire um, movements online have a tilt towards equities, yeah, for, I, I don't know okay. why. Right, maybe um, he's thought, well, to do this better, I need to be in a share portfolio. Yeah, where I'd probably say, you know, when they say, oh, should we sell this 
property and put it into shares. Well, what you're saying is, should we move growth asset classes? Mm. Yeah, and it's it's interesting you say that because they are two very different asset classes. One is can be very transactional and fluid, i.e. shares. The other should be in in. 80, 90% of cases, a set and forget strategy mm-hmm. because of the transactional costs involved. So, yeah, yeah I think we can, we can all be accused of, of getting in the way of our portfolio in a property sense because we, we sell it and then potentially five years later it's worth 200 grand more. Yeah. Question when reviewing this property, see, and this is where I think he needs to just have a bit of a pulse check. It's rented to family. Now, I would want to know what's the market rates rent because if he's getting $50 a week less, well, maybe he needs to say to the family, hey, guys, you can either pay up or I need to get someone else because it's not about Mm. you. Um, Gee, you're a harsh family member. (laughs) Well, the thing is because this is effectively what if someone is renting to a family or a friend at a discount to market rates – it's no different. If it was $50 less a week, you'd say to them, hey, just put a normal tenant in there and just give your family member $50 a week cash. Mm. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and often they would be like, oh, no, I'm not doing that. Well, you are. <laughs> yeah, and it depends who it is. Is it an old family member that you want to look after that will never afford their own home? And like there's always different scenarios, isn't it? But generally speaking, you've got to check it against market rent. Yeah. Like if it is $50 a week, that's two and a half grand a year that can be going into a share portfolio and be leveraged. Yeah. So I think just in, I would be really wondering, Tim, why do you want to sell that property? Because, you know, with that bugger all debt on there, market rate rents should be covering that mortgage. Mm. And totally. I just wouldn't want to create extra work and particularly if you do want to start pumping your investment portfolio, I don't mind you having some different asset allocation to property. Yeah. So uh, it's just more of a a sense check of the reasons why. Now, John, the reason could be, well, we just want to own our home as fast as possible Mm. and just cash flow investments. Yeah. I'm I'm reading that's probably not a Big one on his list though. No, but it could be for some. Yeah, it could be for some. Mm. So, yeah, and maybe that whole, you mentioned before about the whole fire concept is Mm. we want to be high cash flow. So we're selling down that property Mm. to be able to put that into shares that's going to give us a greater dividend to to bring our cash flow up Mm. and not so much focus on the the capital growth leveraging aspect of property and Mm. just rely on our principal place of residence for that. Yeah, but I think we can both agree at the moment, you know, two 27-year-old soon-to-be newlyweds, they're in a great position and they've worked hard over the short amount of time yeah. since leaving school yeah. to be in such a good position. And and absolutely agree, 100%. It's it's um amazing position to be in from a financial perspective, long as we're enjoying life uh, while we're doing it and, and not um, just save, save, save and mm. no fun. One thing I would add here for Tim is can we see that 650K property being worth a million dollars in 10 years' time? Ask yourself that question before you sell that property. But conversely, it could be, well, if we put some money in equities, even if we leveraged into equities, Mm. could that equity portfolio be worth 
the same equivalent percentage in 10 years' time? And the answer is yeah. probably yes. Yeah. Well, can can he leverage as high as he is in, in property, however? Probably not. So that that's uh, – and just because I'm property nerd doesn't – Oh, yeah. Didn't, didn't realise. But um, – <laughs> Never picked that up. You host My Millennial Property, don't you? Correct. Yeah. Co-host, Glenn. Um, so – yeah, just just ask that question before we sell that property. Um, maybe not. Might be maybe too much capital gains implications because it was his principal place of residence prior. Um, but but they are in a new principal place, so yeah, they probably will be. They've got a bit of crossover, but it might not be as, as much. Right. Yeah. But check with your accountant, obviously. Um, but then, yeah, he's gone on to say, well, if you sell that property, I leave the mortgage on my principal place of residence as is and I go and take the proceeds and put them into the share portfolio. So that's okay. I've got another option for you. Mm-hmm. He wants to put 4 to 5K per month into the share portfolio. Can he do that with the savings amount, which is about the same as what he's saving at the at the minute? So he could put all of his savings into that portfolio, leave his properties as is, Cash flow positive, I'm assuming, mm. as soon as we kick the brother out that's mm. paying low ball rent yeah. and pay down his mortgage and life goes on. Yeah, I I just want to I, – I'd probably agree that I'm not in a rush to just sell property mm-hmm. because property is such a bitch to get into, um, you know, and then if you sell it, you've got to pay agents fees, capital gains tax, or if it's just sitting there keeping mining its own business – Sure. Okay. If it's an old piece of crap that you're sick of spending money on emotionally and you're done with it, mm. yeah, piss it off. But I just think, and maybe it is a clarity call with John around that property and just bounce some um, some numbers off him, particularly around the area, because we don't really know what the property is. I'm itching to see what type of property it is. Yeah. Well, at 650K, it, it shouldn't be, you know, a slum. No, I mean, if it's in Burke, it's probably a mansion, but if it's, um, you know, yeah. down the road. Yep. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's our thoughts. My Well, I haven't finished yet, John. Okay, you still go. <laughs> <laughs> I thought just because I'd said my piece that it's done. No, John. No, there's always more. Um, he's got 25 grand in his own name in the ASX 200 fund. I'd like to see a little bit of diversification there probably around international shares. Um, just, you know, the Australian market's a small part of the world. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's there's funds out there that you can invest easily into uh, the US, blended portfolios or um, an S&P 500 fund. I would caution you if you are doing direct equity mm-hmm. um, in terms of single stocks. We know the data says that, on balance, people suck at managing single stocks. Yeah. So if you want single stocks, I always suggest keep that at under ten percent of your net worth. Yeah. So would you say like a even like a Vanguard fund or something like that for the kids into the future or something? Yeah, but I probably wouldn't want it in my own name. Probably look at like an investment bond or something like that. Okay. Um, for future kids, but let's worry about getting the kids here first. Yes. Um, because this is it, like. We, we all want to plan to have kids, but the reality is, John, uh, when push comes to shove, sometimes it's hard to conceive, sometimes you can't conceive. Yeah. 
And sometimes, you know, they might have to throw 20 grand at IVF mm. with no outcome. So mm. that's why I think let's work out what we're doing with this property and then start to move forward. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the biggest thing I see there. Yeah, totally. Um, and, it, and it could make or break the, the next 10 years, to be mm. honest. Mm. Um, but yeah, unbelievable position But that they're both in. Mm. And uh, yeah, well done. So I haven't finished yet. <laughs> God, I'm just going through this case study. Right. So uh, another thing is like you did mention, you know, if you did sell the property and paying down the principal place of residence, you'd basically have a bug roll mortgage, like under 50 grand, yes. maybe 20 grand. Yeah. So you've got to look at like, why are you doing that? Is it to literally just pay down the mortgage, have a good feeling of, I feel great, we own our home and that's yeah. awesome? Or is it we want to pay down that mortgage and then uh, set up a second mortgage mm. and then have a gearing strategy into equities. So it's not necessarily debt recycling because there really won't be any debt. No. Non-deductible. Well, I read it as them not paying down the current house that they live in, just paying the P&I repayments, but using the sale from the investment property to- To buy equities. Buy equities. Yeah. And I guess if you read it that way, and if that is that way, you'd certainly look at paying down the house yep. and then- Drawing it back out. Drawing it back out as a second mortgage. Yes. Otherwise, you're effectively, you know, we'll, we'll just say it this way. If you're investing 300 grand of your own money into equities and you've got 300 grand debt on your home, mm. you've got 300 grand debt that you've effectively borrowed that you can't claim a tax deduction yeah. on. Yeah, no brainer, that part. Um, but even, John, like these, these um, people, Tim and his um, partner, like- they're just absolutely killing it. Yeah. I would probably say maybe just slow down a little bit, make sure you got all your life and income insurances nailed, mm. make sure your will's covered, make sure you're being generous and make sure you are looking at charitable giving. It's not about you. Just mm. slow it down, everyone. Like yeah. I, you, you'll be fine. Like it's all good. Like yeah. it's totally fine. Yes. Uh, but I would just um, – get some advice as well. Like yeah. in this situation, paying $3,000 for professional financial advice is absolutely a no-brainer. No. Like absolutely, it will pay for itself because yeah. they can do the modelling and, you know, it's times like this where we're not going to be stingy and cheap about getting professional help. No. So... Yep, I agree with but that. But yeah, send send your case studies in so we can have a chat about it. But these guys are killing it. Um, yeah. And just realistically, you know, you did say about having the uh, the kids come. Um, what does your life look like when, you know, there's one parent maybe at home for the first five years? Yeah. Or whatever that looks like. Yeah, that's right. So we need to factor that in. So, yep. Thanks, Tim. The uh, yeah. The comments was worth what you paid for it. <laughs> We'll be back right after this and we'll answer one more question and then John's got to go to a meeting. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. All right, we've got a question from Instagram here. 
Rose Lamond, if that's uh, underscore is your title, do you see buying a home at all-time highs in an overinflated Sydney Melbourne market's risky? And that came through the other day on Instagram and I don't think I answered it because the hard questions I don't answer, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I just write back like, yeah, don't know. Um, so, if we are living in capital cities, John, mm. and we are wanting to buy, there's basically three things that I can see. Number one, you buy tomorrow, you get an extra 20% over the next two years and it's all good. Mm. You buy tomorrow, over the next two years, you lose 20% and it's not as good or you buy tomorrow and nothing changes. Yeah, there are three options. So, within those three options, the way I'm thinking of it is nothing happens and losing money is possibly downside. And the third option, so we've basically got two thirds of this, you know, serviette napkin Mm. scenario that is possibly against us? Yeah, well, I think I would start by saying you only lose if you sell. That's right, but it doesn't help you if five years down the track you're underwater and you owe money on a property and you're stuck and Mm. the emotional drain of knowing that you owe more to the bank for this property because property always goes up in value. Yeah, yeah. So... Overinflated is that's a long conversation to have as to whether it is or it isn't. Mm. Uh, but generally speaking, we just want to know what asset you're getting into in which suburb in those Sydney and Melbourne cities because history shows us that um, consistency of a lot of those suburbs have been there for the last 30 or 40, 50 years. Mm. And keep people keep saying in these cycles that, oh, it'll never happen again, but it continues to, to happen. Now, there'll be definite flat stages and that might be three, four, five years where there is uh, subtle growth. Mm. So you've got to expect that as a property investor or, or a property owner. Mm. Um, so I would be saying you've got to put what's in control in your hands, I think, right at the time and say, well, if I'm going to spend a million dollars in Sydney, for example, and I'm going to live in it and I'm going to hold it for the next 20 years because I want to be in that suburb, I'm not waiting another two years to go and buy in there if I can afford to do that now. Yeah, and but that is the mindset difference between am I doing this as an investment play or a lifestyle long-term play? Yeah, yeah. So if it's an investment, totally get it. The yields at the top of a peak of a market yeah, are rubbish. Get staffed. Yeah. Yeah. So would you say as a blanket rule, you personally wouldn't be investing in Sydney and Melbourne within five kilometers of the city unless, you know, you really dug up and stole something? If I had a whole heap of cash to mm. keep the yield at a reasonable level, I would. Mm. But yeah, definitely um You've got to be wary because mm. I was speaking to an agent a few weeks ago when I did that charity bike ride. He's mm. um, director of Nelson Alexander, and he he was fist pumping about three point two percent yield in Melbourne, mm. right? And that's as good as it gets. Mm. So, whereas we we want to deal with four percent plus, but three point two yield, it's not worth the risk. Where I'd rather not. Have the hassle. Well, and that's what I'm saying. If mm. you're coming in with a, a 30% deposit, mm. your yield is um, – your running costs are, are quite manageable. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah 10%, forget it. Mm. 
So there you are, kids. Uh, we didn't change the world that much this episode, uh, but thanks for having a listen. And I, I'm being liking getting into a bit of these case studies and chewing the fat of Love a real it. case. The only thing I would say with, um, if you are borrowing off your property to invest in shares, a couple of things. One, get professional advice to do that mm. uh, because realistically, I don't think you'd want to borrow money to invest into a portfolio that has some bonds in it, for example. Mm. Uh, that just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, but you've got to work out. So if it's, a debt rec- if it's a debt recycling strategy, you are effectively setting up a separate mortgage. That part of the mortgage is tax deductible. And then you're paying dividends or distributions out of the portfolio onto the side of the mortgage that you have no deductibility on. Mm-hmm. So that might require a portfolio that produces a high amount of dividends yes. or Australian equities, for example. You might go, well, I own the house like Tim does yeah. and his partner. Uh, we just want to gear up because pew, pew, America, capitalism, baby, like all that stuff. Mm. They could be able to stomach, well, let's just gear up and go for growth yeah. on the other side and then yeah. we'll let the cards fall as, fall as they may. So I guess this is why it's so important you know, and I've seen influencers borrowing on their home and investing and I just kind of, it concerns me yeah. that there isn't the underlying level of understanding of how, how the world works and what you invest in. Yeah, um, the cards can fall pretty quick. I'm probably of the view where, because no one can keep their freaking strategy for more than 10 minutes, yeah. um, that if you do want to do gearing and all that stuff, you've just got to know that, we are buying and holding. Like we're not touching this no. for 10 years. Yeah. Where it could be better to pay the bastard off the mortgage and then just cash flow investments and yeah. not do any debt. No, that's right. And it comes back to risk profile. Yep. And Tim's going to have two or three more kids maybe or, or two or three mm. kids. So that's got to be factored into. Yeah. A lot of, lot of mm. there's always uh, no one size fits mm. all. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for dropping by today. We appreciate you listening. We know you've got a choice and we thank you for choosing us. John, yes. see you in Brisbane next week. Been awesome. Um, yes. Bye. Bye. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits and pay respect to their elders past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Um, all right, so we're in an after party, are we? Yeah. Music's banging. How was New Zealand? Yeah, it's good. Got back um, yesterday. We were recording this on Friday the 14th. Yes. Um, got back 
last night into Sydney. Um, have you ever seen the movie The, the Terminal with Tom Hanks? No. So he basically, he goes into um, immigration, gets into the airport airside and the country that he's returning to basically gets dissolved and there's civil war and the government uh, doesn't exist. Right. And they cancel the flight. So he's stuck in the terminal. Yeah. And that was you. So he, he was trapped and, you know, he ended up getting a, a cashy job renovating some of the bathrooms and lives in the terminal. Right. And that was me yesterday. Why? Well, I, I get to the airport and I check my bag in and they said, oh, the Qantas lounge is closed at the moment, but you can use the Air New Zealand lounge. I'm like, yep, sweet, no worries. So I go through security, go through immigration, scan my passport. Yep, you're out of here. Get through to, you know, yeah. through immigration. No lounge there. The lounge is before security and immigration. Before. So I go, oh, okay, well, I'll just go back. Yeah. So Put walk back again. out, get back to the passport dude. He's like, oh, what's up? Because, you know, no one yeah. goes against the no. grain. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I forgot the lounge. I didn't know the lounge was, you know, out there. I'm just yeah. going to go back. Because I got to the airport three hours early because <laughs> I had to drop the car back. Yeah. And I'm like, I'll just work from the lounge. Yeah, yeah. He goes, no, you've already left New Zealand. Oh, no. So I was stuck. <laughs> no. Oh, mate. I was You've bloody... already left New Zealand. Yeah. I'm standing in New Zealand. Oh, what are you talking about? And uh, so I got a part-time job renovating the bathroom. <laughs> Shit. Oh, no, so that's upset. That's one thing you wouldn't have done. I was done. so upset. <laughs> wow. Oh, but, it, I mean, it was all right. I, I just couldn't believe it because I'd never get to an airport three hours early. Oh. But I had work to do. And you're looking forward to it too, aren't you? I was like, give me my yeah. free crackers and bickies yeah. and cheese. <laughs> give me my free Coke, no sugar. Oh, that's fantastic. And I was <laughs> slumming it like the rest of them. P.S. Mm. Whose flight's cancelled and then decides I'm going to stay another week? Mine. Yeah. Yeah, what do you mean? What's the problem there? No one does that. <laughs> well, I actually extended the trip twice. I was only going to go for seven days. Yeah. And then I got there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to need more time to write the book. Mm. And then I extended a week. Mm. And then the, what I extended to, they cancelled that flight because of the Sydney bubble thing. Yeah. I asked stuff, but I'll just stay another week. Yeah. So. Good. Oh, yeah. um, should be a good book. I'm looking forward to reading it. Yeah. Can you sign it? Probably. Excellent. I've got one more thing to tell you, All the right. weirdest thing. Righto. Uh, 30 seconds. All right. Remember how I told you one of the last episodes we did here? Yeah where I was getting this recurring dream thing happening yes, yes. where I was like falling to sleep I mean, with an hour of falling to sleep, waking up, stressing out that I forgot to feed the dog yeah. before I went to bed, yeah. the dog that I don't own. Yes. <laughs> and it just freaked me out, right? So last week or this week, earlier this week in New Zealand, you wouldn't believe what happened. <laughs> Same dream. I, I'm asleep. I wake up and I remember sitting up. And I was freaking out because I'd brought the dog with me and it was in my suitcase <laughs> and I forgot to feed it the whole time I was in oh New Zealand. God. So why have I got this recurring dream of me freaking out that I haven't fed a dog? It's because of this dog next door that used to live it's now. Oh, no, it's happened before that. Oh, wow. Can you believe it? I but Conscious, like I concocted up that actually, I brought the dog with me. It's a part of your life. And it was in the suitcase. Uh, 
and I f- had neglected it in the suitcase for wow. the whole time I was in New Zealand. Probably went over there to round up some sheep. Oh, I just honestly. So if anyone, if there's any dream whisperers out there mm. that knows why I keep having this recurring surely, dream, surely there's someone that I forgot to feed the dog and I feel terrible and I'm panicked that yeah. it is not fed and it's going hungry. Yeah, and it keeps happening. I'd love to know. It's probably that condition called. You know when you don't appreciate yourself mm-hmm. enough? What's it called? I don't know. Self-care? Yeah, self-something. Uh, yeah, that you've got it. That I'm neglecting myself? Yeah, I think you might. I don't neglect myself. <laughs> well, I don't know, but you're having these dreams to say you you let something down. Mm. So maybe you're being too hard on yourself. Maybe. All right, John. All right. See you soon. Right. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.